And here in Detroit, where so many of the tools of victory were turned out, it's in the air. All Detroit wants another kind of victory. They're out to see the Detroit Tigers, their favorite ball team. Let's go inside. You're listening to Tigers SRD with your hosts and former Little League All-Stars, Chris Brown and Roger Castillo. Take sign, you know what? You obey him and you don't swing. Blah, it's as simple blah, as that. Blah, 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 no matter what you think about the game score, no matter what you think about the idea that Tatis is a grand slam, he's fun to watch, and you know, he's sort of a uh, you know, an NBA guy playing baseball, you know, young, enthusiastic, the young kid gets into No matter what you think about all that, he got a take sign from his manager. Why have a manager who told him specifically, don't swing? One two to Moncada. Oh, got him. Save that one. Wow. First of many. Save the baseball. That's your first. Cabrera trots home with the Tigers' first run. And Jonathan Scope follows. It's 3-2 thanks to Isak Paredes' first major league hit. It drives in two. Wow. Welcome to another episode of Tigers SRD on the Tiger Mining League Report Network and the Overtime Media Network. I'm Rogelio Castillo, alongside Chris Brown. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartMedia, Stitcher, and Google Play. Follow us on Twitter at Tigers ML Report and our Facebook page, Tigers Mind Report. Also, if you've not had a chance, and we'll put the link in our podcast description, check out Carfax, which we do player breakdown. So it's a kind of a clever play on words now. Hopefully, we're not sued. But if you look at the abbreviation, clearly we're not a bunch of foxes talking baseball. Yeah, yeah you know, it's, it's Chris and Raleo. Facts. F A C T S. I don't know if it's going to stick. We yeah. may just uh, we may just have to change the name every video. <laughs> yeah, if you which said... is great for stickiness, I guess. But yeah, no, it's uh, it's fun to break stuff down. But yeah, it is fun. The name, not so much. Yeah, so if you have a better suggestion, by all means, let us know, and we'll gladly submit it. So coming up tonight, we'll be talking about the Tigers' nine-game losing streak against division opponents. Some inside numbers that are actually good for the Tigers. An idiot decides to be a dumbass on the microphone. And much more, but let's let's get started with the Tigers this weekend, this week in Chicago. Pointed out that Jose Abreu is one of the biggest Tiger killers of them all and continue to do so throughout the series. But it wasn't just Abreu, it was every player in the White Sox lineup. And I don't know if you saw it today, Chris, but afterwards they had James McCann and he said, I'm paraphrasing, and he laughed. He's like, I love winning, which was maybe a shot in the dark mm-hmm. of the Tigers there. But McCann also was having a good series. It seemed like no matter what Detroit would score, Chicago was like, you know what, screw you. We're going to add two more here, and you guys are out of it. And the bullpen for Chicago, which I thought was going to be a weakness ending in the season, has some, some, some live arms. But today was the sum of just put in a week in a nutshell. It was line in a row. You have all the buzz from yesterday. You have the Mize. You have Tarek Skubal here. Isak Paredes, which, by the way, again, I don't know why everybody kept talking about how or E 
apostrophe S-O-S-O-K. It's his name. Who cares? Somebody says his name. Stop. I mean, they were ragging on Matt Shepard, and rightfully so, to a certain extent about how he says his name. But that's how Shep wants to say it. That's how he wants to say it. Maybe that's how Isaac prefers it. But, good God, all the tweets about it was driving me nuts. Wait, so wait. What was people ragging on the way that Matt Shep, Shep said it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, well, how does he say it? Isak. Well, isn't that what he wants? That's what I thought so, too. But I guess it was the oh. way he, he was doing, like, you know how some people, and we'll be talking about tacos later, but you know how some people go to a restaurant, they're like, <laughs> I want a taco, a burrito, and a tostada. Oh, and, and, and I guess without saying well, you know saying what I need, want to say, you get what I'm getting at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I feel a little bit, just for years and years, we called him Isaac Paredes, you know, and then what we found out last year that he prefers to, or, you know, we started hearing those Isak. And so I wonder if, uh, like, I might have to still occasionally just say Isak. It's almost like reminding myself, like, no, 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 Isak. Which is not, it's not that hard to, to, to say at all. Right. It's just, it's just the fact that we knew him as something else for a long time. It's like, uh, I don't know. Like, I don't think I ever once called Nick Castellanos Nicholas Castellanos. F all that. No. Get out of here, Nicholas. <laughs> you're Nick. You know, you're right. We've never, and it was Terry and I believe it was one of our, one of my followers on Twitter, I think it's her name, Alicia. Yeah, Alicia pointed out because she watched a lot of games. She's been following the system, um, him throughout the system. I guess the I think Greg Ganya, who is the double A announcer for the Seawolves, says it differently, but I guess it was really great on people how Matt Shepard said it, but what's in a name, essentially, but at any rate <laughs> oh, but what we did learn this week is the Tigers now 0 and eight without CJ Crone in the lineup. And so what is missed with him in the lineup? Well, a uh, power presence one. Two, his walkway was actually pretty good. And something that I looked into some of his numbers in terms of exit velocity and hard hit contact were down but having him in the lineup Chris I mean you look at see Jonathan Scope who's not a cleanup hitter his numbers in the four spot are not good but when Miguel's not hitting either it just makes for essentially your you can you can pinpoint how you want to get take out the Tigers I mean they had the bases loaded today and Christian Stewart stuck out on a fastball that was right down the heart of the middle right down the middle of the plate and nothing yeah, no, it's it's it was a really kind of like stark dichotomy of the the excitement of seeing some of these young players finally. And, you know, it, Scooble, it was not an ideal debut, but Mize was kind of everything we wanted him to be. I mean, it didn't work out great at the end, but, you know, there's something to be excited about. But then just just the awful baseball from everybody else, literally almost everybody else was just like, oh, man, is there another major leaguer on this team? And it's it's like ah, oh, it it oh, man, it's tough. Even you know you were counting on Spencer Turnbull, who was their best pitcher for the first you know, handful of starts, and these last two outings, he just he can't even throw a strike. It's it's really it's painful to watch. And we got you know Gregory Soto going out there, and he gave up two home runs. It's like man, like everything that was good earlier is now bad, and it's it's I you know, it's just the way baseball goes, I guess. You know, you have these streaks, but. Boy, nine games in a row feels like an awful lot when it's only a 60-game season. Yeah, I and mean, in, in your last week, I think we're in the middle of after they lost, I believe, the Cleveland or – yeah, they lost, no, Chicago took the series at that point. We At the time, I thought that with no Clevenger, no um, Plesak, 
that they would at least take one or two games against Cleveland, and that did not happen at all. The Indians came in and also were working the counts. And a lot of and, and something I've noticed too, and was something that was apparent to me today. Well, the White Sox were working the count, just looking for pitches, following them off. They're kind of doing that Boston Red Sox baseball that you know Sunday night baseball games end up being four hours, yeah. you know, that kind of style. Yeah, you know, it really stuck out to me in uh, Thursday's game. With uh, it was in a bat, I think Nomar Mazzara against Spencer Turnbull. Yeah, that I know what you're talking and, about. Yeah, Turnbull threw like you know. So he, this was after Turnbull. I think it walked in a run, right? Right. Bases were loaded, and he was he even got behind Mazzara, and then he came, he must have thrown seven or eight consecutive strikes, like all all of his pitches, all in the edges of the zone. And Mazzara, who's not, you know, who was a a big prospect one time, but he's never really done a ton in the majors was just falling off everything. It was like, he saw each pitch immediately. He'd like, you know, change up low and away, just pop it, foul it off, uh, you know, slider inside, just foul it off fastball, the top of the zone. Like it was, it was crazy. It, uh, I don't know if it was something where the, where, uh, Turnbull was just, you could really see his pitches early or what, but man, yeah, it was, uh, it was it was frustrating, it, and it is yeah. Like when you compare it to the Tigers, Tigers just seem to swing and miss at everything. I mean, and Lucas Giolito struck him out thirteen times today. It's just uh, yeah, it's it's really tough to watch. You you just keep feeling like these other teams are just leaps and bounds ahead of the Tigers. You know, these this is this is a young Chicago White Sox offense for the most part. I mean, the, you got Encarnacion in there, and Abreu is not particularly young anymore. Although he looks great, like I don't remember him. He seems a lot skinnier and more athletic than I remember. Um, yeah, he does yeah, look I mean, a lot skinnier, yeah. You're talking Bancada, Robert, Eloy Jimenez. We didn't even see Madrigal, of course. And it's just like, man, this this lineup does not – and Tim Anderson, you know, the public enemy number one. And, this is just uh, – this. these guys aren't going anywhere anytime soon. And so the Tigers are going to need to get like four more Casey Mises. You know, and speaking of Casey, before we get to Dane Dunning, who I thought had a really good outing, then they sent him back, I believe, to the White Sox camp. He went out there, and I'm not sure if it was just Dane Dunning or the Tigers' bats, but case in point, the bat that Tim Anderson had, against, I think it was against Scoople, Scoople, where he moved up in the batter's box to get, like, he moved up to the front of the batter's box, made good contact on that slider, and was able, he hit a bullet, I think that was the third base line. Remember that? Do you remember that? No, absolutely. I mean, he's just, he's yeah. just a, like a brilliant hitter like just really thinking about it you know you I, you don't uh, you don't win a batting title just with luck i mean he did have some really good uh, batted ball luck last year but you can see this year he's he's just really smart yeah and that was uh you know some people thought that oh you know uh, they're tipping pitches and it's possible but it's also possible that <laughs> he's he's a really good major league hitter that knows hey it's an 0-2 count they're probably going to try to bury a breaking ball in my feet here. Instead of taking it or swinging over the top of it, I'm going to move up and, and attack it. And that's what he did. It's like, yeah, I, I don't recall any Tigers hitters doing something like that. No. Like moving around in the box. You know, Miggy, he's always been one of the smartest hitters uh, in baseball. So he probably would do something like that. But, yeah, you, you, you know, you don't do that unless you're really smart. And then on top of it, you know, he's got these tremendous physical gifts. He's probably a plus plus runner, and he's got plus power, and it's like, man, it's a. Uh, I did not expect this from Tim Anderson. I remember when, I think he was drafted out of junior college. It was one of those situations where I don't think he was really thought of 
as anything coming out of high school. And then he went to junior college for one year and suddenly he's a first rounder. And it was like, well, you know, that, that seems like a huge boomer bust. And uh, he's boomed for the White Sox, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, even defensively, despite his, you know, a little bit of his diet, his perhaps shortcomings at times, he's so good in the zone, he, getting barrel contact. The barrel contact was so, I mean, everything was like just a shot. You heard, like, it was just everything that White Sox made was hard hit contact. And of course, there's no microphone. I mean, there's no crowd noise, so or a crowd, so perhaps everything sounds amplified. But I, I kid you not, it was a big difference between the, how the Tigers were approached, where innings were ending in two or three minutes tops. It was nine, eight pitches, especially even in, in, against the Indians, when the, every team since the Chicago series, if you notice this, both teams just wore out Tigers pitching. No pitcher during the streak, no starter pitching, starter pitch. Ah. No starting pitcher has gone more than four and one thirds innings so far for Detroit since in this in this losing streak, and you have a tax bullpen, and that's going to cause some issues down the line. But at the same time, it, does it really matter right now? The season essentially, a lot of fans are just like, "Screw this, I'm I'm done," and yeah, and in talking and, and you know, we have our, our our chats and everything. I, it's just it's when you have eyes, you know, Isak Paredes doing these. Like really good at bats, and you think to yourself, okay, they're gonna play him every day. And they had a day off today. It's like, wait, is he that tired? I mean, what am I missing here? Like that was, there's just a couple of things that I'm just. Kurt, uh, Maven came up with his hamstring sore, so he's gonna he's gonna be day to day. His team, you know, Castro's out. Uh, Dario Agrizel is out for the year. Nova's got some issues. So I mean, and then the the thing that happened, Chris. I mean, the Dual Lugo, Dual or Lugo is gone. So, then you had during the week two the Tigers analytics team making up the lineup, and they announced it on Twitter like it was like big revelation kind of thing. And then there's no mention of Caesar. There's no mention of all this stuff they talked about before. So, what the hell is going on? It's just like it just seems like it's like, all right, I'm gonna call this press conference, and uh, for an LV, like you mentioned this too, Chris, you were the first person to mention this. That to me at least, where I'll give you credit where things don't people don't give credit for, that you you were like. Uh, usually it's a beat writer or somebody that breaks the news first, and yeah, it didn't happen that way. That was strange. Yeah, I like I said, I I can't. I mean, you you could say that it was justified to have a, a small like, you know, I don't even know if it's a press press conference if it's like a regular Monday, you know, meeting with reporters or something like that. But I think they said it was just the second time that Avila has spoken to people. Um. But yeah, I, I can't ever remember another instance where there was a press conference to announce the promotion of a prospect. Now they did; they promoted three prospects, which might make it sort of uh, more desirable, but uh, like uh, better reason. But still, that, that I don't like. I just don't, I don't think any other team did it like that. And it's it's one thing that it feels like is like they're kind of setting themselves up for failure. You know, they're they're they've built this whole thing like on the strength of these young prospects. And we know from watching prospects for a long time that not all of them are going to work out. <laughs> and, and some of them won't even come close to their ceiling. And, and so it's just like, man, if this doesn't work out, you, you're really screwed yourself. But I guess that's already been, that ship has sailed a while ago. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's tough. It's tough to watch right now. You, you don't see improvement. I mean, we for a while there we had Jacoby Jones like, hey, he's improved, and he seems to come back to earth. And right now we've got Jammer Candelario, so there's some 
minor things to hold your head on, but you should, yeah, it's just it's just it's a tough time to be a Tigers fan. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, even the, the biggest takeaway with you look at Carson or Carson Fulmer, by the way, was also DFA'd as well. But it is tough. I mean, it, it, it to me even today was just the worst, probably one of the worst losses I've seen in a long time. I've, I'm watching the game. I have my I'm I'm on these calls say for work, and at one point my somebody was talking and I looked away to, to look at the screen, and that's when Jimenez allowed that home run. I was like, what the? F-? And I had to. And yeah. one of the people on the project team was like, Are "You okay?" I'm like, "No, I'm not. Don't worry about it. So I'm watching the Tigers. Oh, they're hor- they're horrible. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's and you know in our Slack chat, Jacob mentioned that possibly they might be worse than last year, and it could be the case. I mean, they this schedule coming up. So tomorrow they have, I believe. Let me see. They have Adam Puko. I don't know if I'm saying his name right. Saturday, uh, Trinston McKenzie will make his major league debut. That might be an opportunity. I don't know. They've lost 20 in a row. And then Sunday, I'm not sure who the starter's going to be. But, I mean, would you rather be the Tigers or Cleveland? In this case of the Indians have talked about, the players have said if those two come back, they're going to walk out. There's players talking about walking out. So, But I'd still rather have the that's Indians. Crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. But they, Yeah, because the Indians are still going to be competitive. I'd rather have a competitive I don't know. Anyway, that's another weird scenario. But Yeah, you know what? Uh do is try to trade for those <laughs> yeah. but i don't see that happening um no it's it's uh, i don't know i mean you like their chances against a rookie like tristan mckenzie but uh, like you mentioned dane dunning came up and, and looked pretty uh pretty good and uh yeah plucko they were able to get to him after what a three or four innings yeah but it eventually wasn't enough they, they cleveland was like oh we'll pull you out now that they're crushing you um so I don't know. You know the streak is going to end at some point. They're going to they're going to win, and it'll probably be one of those strange games where they win like twelve to two. But uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's you look around. You look around the division, and you, you don't see a whole lot of. I mean, they haven't even played the Twins yet, who uh, who are probably going to beat up on them pretty good. So it's ugly. I, I we actually yeah we got a question about it. This team is worse than last year, and it's it's. It's a legitimate question, so I guess we can t- touch on it a little bit later. Yeah, we'll definitely touch on that. And the Twins are now sitting at 16-9, and Maeda almost threw a no-hitter the other night against the Brewers. So, Milwaukee, or excuse me, the Minnesota's already cruising with their starting rotation. And, yeah, we'll get to that a little later. But let's go with the inside of numbers this week, Chris. So, um, while I'm pulling up some most def, there is there's a couple there's a couple numbers this week that stand out in terms of there's a lot of different in terms of the number three and the, the grand, uh, grand Slams. There's a lot of stuff going out there. But one thing is certain about about this the 60-game season so far, and that is some of the, 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 offenses, the offenses have picked up quite a bit a little bit. So that is – I've seen some double-digit games where offenses were struggling a little bit, but it seems like in the last week or so – and I'll have to do a deeper dive, but it seems like the off the – Bats are not struggling as they once were. Yeah, the um, you know I, I think the hitters are catching on, that's for sure. So, um, did you want me to do my number? Yep, then? go ahead, go ahead. Um, so it's uh, my number is twenty eight point two, and uh, you know typically I try to weasel in two numbers, but I thought this one was good enough. Um, that is the 
Tigers team strikeout rate after today's 15K stinker. Um, so 28.2%. Uh, that's the worst in baseball this year. It's it's actually I, coming in today. The Cubs were at 28.2%. Uh, and it would be the worst in baseball history if it continues this season, surpassing last year's Tigers team, which is their current record holder for the worst in baseball history, which was 26.4% of the time. So, uh, yeah, up by uh, almost 2%. And, you know, to be fair, <laughs> like 29 of the 30 highest strikeout rates for teams ever were in the last five years. But still, worst of the worst is uh, something to be <laughs> making note of. So, I, you know, they've got to do something. They've got to change something about this. You know, we, we knew that they were largely going to be the same team this year, except with maybe some more home runs. And, and that's what we've seen. But, yeah, I mean, that's that's why so <laughs> we're all so excited about Isak Paredes because he looks like he's taking actual – professional at bats which just you don't see for most of the team so that's my number all right my number this week is 90.5 that's the exit velocity of one Damir Candelario and Candelario who I, I got a lot of crap for saying oh well, you, you know he's a I think he's gonna have 11 home runs he's gonna hit 275 well right now his batting average is at 257 and he's got two home runs so he's he's heading upwards he He's been hitting that ball pretty hard, good contact, and, and not to mention the, the biggest thing about his game lately has been he's been going to a different position. I mean, it, it, he's going to first, he's adjusting to another thing on the fly, and he's been able to handle, to kind of shut out everything and, and go out there and, and have a pretty good last couple of weeks since the Pittsburgh series. And to me, I mean, hopefully he's turning the corner where you can see consistency across the board, but... In the last 12 games, he's batted 327, 353, 612 with an OPS of 9.65. And good for a, I mean, in terms of total, in terms of WRC plus, 107. So puts him a little bit above last year, which was, he was 72 on the year. So he's hurting, you can see the improvements on his swing and what have you. And so we'll talk a little more about that in an article coming up. But good to see him turning around a little bit and give us some sort of Remblance of sunshine on a really, I don't know, shithole. They're out, out and out later, but <laughs> it's it, it's bad. But um, yeah. So that's my uh, inside number for the week. Yeah, it's gonna be a negative show, I think, folks. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I'm, I, I, if you want us to like, look, the one thing about if you can see this, one thing about this podcast is we keep it real. We're not gonna, you know, we're not gonna BS you, but also we're not gonna go. This guy sucks. We're just gonna point out a number, and you be you be the judge of that. It's not nothing against the players or anything, too, but just the way things are, the way that they they are. What do you want us to do? <laughs> Honestly, like if if we're being optimistic, great. There's reasons to be optimistic, but after this week, sorry, there is not. So it's okay to vent. It's okay because everybody vents on Twitter all the time. It, it happens and. There's a lot of things to be happy about. The Casey Mize start was amazing, but that was probably one of maybe maybe it might be one of Chris's good good and bad the good, the bad and ugly this week. Who knows? But it is time for the good and bad and ugly this weekend. So I'll uh I'll kick things off for this. And the Padres this week have come up a couple times throughout with what happened with Texas, what have you. But in this case, uh, mine good this week is going to be one Will Myers. Now, the reason why I mention Will Myers is, correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, but he was subject to a lot of trade rumors in the offseason and San Diego trying to move him, correct? 
Absolutely. They uh, found his contract to be unwieldy, and they didn't think he was any good, and they wanted uh, other young players to play instead of him. Well, he's uh, told them to go F themselves because right now he is he right now is hitting two seventy two. He's got six home runs already, and his exit velocity's gone up two from ninety to ninety two, and he's almost at a he's almost a one more player right now, which would be the first time he's been a, a above a above a one since twenty eighteen. Of course, he was a three point five Fangraphs WAR in twenty sixteen, and he's. Hitting the ball across the board, Chris, his OPS, by the way, you can't really argue the results of it, too. It shows here in his WRC plus 152. So that's good, and that helps yeah, the Padres. That'll, that'll do it. Yeah, and, and that's uh, for the Padres, too. With all that talent they have right now, it's finally coming together a little bit. And, I mean, in terms of standing-wise, they're four and a half back of the Dodgers, who are just a juggernaut at 18 and 8. But still, he wants to compare to baseball. But look at if you look at the rest of the league right now, San Diego's actually in pretty good shape. I think they have a wild card position right now because the Marlins are nine and nine and one and a half. They're actually one and a half back in terms of percentage point for percentage. I think with the Braves, so you got some insanity across the board. But there's no real team that has the kind of talent that the Padres have, and they just keep they keep bringing up people too. They brought them into the Cuban uh, player yesterday. So, well, there you go. So yeah, I mean, six years, eighty-three million dollars. To show up now that helps out. The bad was the ER six point seven one and fourteen home runs to Chicago in seven games this season for Detroit. I think I think it might be it might be fifteen or sixteen for today, but yeah. That is the ERA against the White Sox this season. That's bad. Jeez. Yeah. And the ugly and quite frankly, probably will never come back from and Well, sorry, dude. Um, and I don't know if you guys heard about this, but Thorn Brennan, with the mic being off, or he thought the mic was off, said a gay slur, and I'm not going to say it. You you could look it up, and then that's you know his apology sounded. People questioning his apology a little bit, and Fox Sports has already cut him off NFL broadcasts, and who knows where he's going to be at next. But in terms of the way he said that word, the way he was. It's such anger and conviction. It's just, I don't know, man. I don't think you're ever gonna come back. And and you know, it's he. It's just with his words afterwards too. And he quote, "I never in my life, for not one second of my life, have been a homophobic, have been racist, or any of those words have meant. And had it been any of those words, are terrible, terrible words. What he said is not a reflection of who Tom Brennan is. I know that's not him. That's his father saying that to him about him." And and then Yahoo kind of ripped them apart, saying that kind of defense is evasive, passive, condescending, and dismissive. And I would have to agree yeah. with that. So, but uh, yeah, that's what's going on. That and that's my ugly for the week, and that's just it, it's just, ah, dude. I, anyway, that's that's just terrible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's that was an ugly apology. That that's I don't understand what why so many people are so bad at apologizing. Um, I, I, I guess you know people just don't want to think they did something bad, but it's it's you, they, they, like do it all by uh, like say no, I'm not really this person, and I didn't do that, and I'm actually okay, and like, just no, like oh man, I'm sorry, this is I shouldn't have said that, I I, I feel bad, it's something terrible, and I'm gonna go away now. Bingo, bingo, done, done, done. But right. uh, anyway, uh, we can <laughs> I touch on him a little bit later. 
Uh, but we can we move on to my good, bad, and ugly is uh, AL East edition. Um, maybe we're going to try to go back to, I think you, you did a uh, division-based one last week, and I found that helped me last year. So let's do it again here. We'll start with Anthony Santander, the left fielder from the Orioles. I think he's kind of an under-the-radar player, as uh, most players in the Orioles are these days. But uh, he was originally signed by Cleveland in 2011. He has international free agent out of Venezuela. Uh, but the Orioles took him with the 18th pick in the 2016 Rule 5 draft. If you remember, that was the draft where the Tigers took Daniel Stumpf. Uh, and he just kind of, you know, flopped around in the Orioles system for a while. I couldn't quite figure out if they ended up like working a deal with uh, Cleveland to trade for him or if maybe he was hurt a couple times. But he didn't really play a full season until, I think, 2018 or maybe it was last year. Uh, but, yeah, last year he... Uh, did pretty well. He hit 260 with 20 homers in 93 games. Uh, and this year, he's been on fire. He's hitting about 300 with nine homers and 10 doubles. He he leads all of baseball in total bases in RBI. Uh, he doesn't walk at all. It's just about 6%, so this is probably going to disappear at some point. But he's also not striking out. He's got 12 strikeouts and 100 plate appearances, something like that. He's like a 12% strikeout guy. And uh, now Fangraphs has him as a negative defender in left field. But to StatCast, he's like in the red in everything, you know, out, uh, outfield jumps and uh, outs above average. He ranks sixth with two outs above average already. So, so to Fangrass, he's been worth uh, 0.9 war, but to baseball reference, he's one and a half war already. Uh, and he probably won't last, like I said, but he's a, he's a 25 year old switch hitter with power and uh, he's a rule five pick and he's exactly two weeks younger than Victor Reyes. So there's that. So yeah, and that's fine in the rule five. I think you, you mentioned this. I think it was, I think it was you on Twitter. I forgot who I saw the Orioles are twelve yeah. and twelve. They're just, they're, you know, of course, supposed to be further along or not as long as the Tigers in the rebuild, and they're actually putting on a competitive team. What a concept! Yeah, you know, and, and it maybe you never know. I mean, it's such a short year, and all sorts of strange things can happen. But I, I, I mentioned, you know, they went out and they hired a bunch of smart people, a bunch of former Astros, you know, Sig Megdal and, and all that stuff. And what do you know? Like two years into it, they magically have a, a, an interesting offense. With a bunch of guys who can hit. <laughs> They're not walking, but whatever. Uh, my bad, now this might be kind of interesting, is Vlad Guerrero Jr. Um, and yes, very, very early in his career. I don't want to uh, you know, shove dirt on the grave or anything like that. But so far, he's looking uh, a little busty. And, uh, and I don't mean, I'm not talking about his bosoms. <laughs> I mean, like, he looks <laughs> a little bit like a bust. Uh, you know, again, he's only 21 and a half. And he's, we're talking 600 plate appearances. So there's still tons and tons of time. But so far in the bigs, he's he's basically an average hitter with below average power and well below average defense. He he's already moved to first because remember he came into camp looking a little bit like uh, Prince Fielder, like he just got huge, and that's not really necessarily his fault, you know. It's just his body. But uh, you know, in, in the comparisons for him coming up, remember were with Miguel Cabrera. But the problem is he he literally looks like Miguel Cabrera looks now, like this 2020 version of Miguel Cabrera. Uh, and in fact, current Miggy. Uh, has hitting for more power this year, walking more, and posting better exit velocities than Vlad Jr. So, I mean, there's some concerning concerning signs there. Mickey's actually a negative 0.1 war, and, and Vlad Jr. is negative 0.3. I mean, we're talking decimal points and stuff, but that's not ideal for you know the number one prospect in baseball. Um, and like I said, again, it's super early, but Fernando Tatis Jr. is basically the same age. He's got fewer career plate appearances, and he's been worth almost six war already. Uh, anyway, he's got such a head start in that that race, the comparison with those two. And even Bo Bichette, who is only a year older than Vlad, 
he's got half as many plate appearances, but he's already been worth three war. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's looking like Vlad might not be the player when he thought he was. Again, it's it's early, but it's not it's not totally uncommon for top prospects like this to, to bust out. I always bring up the example of Delman Young, who was who was just an elite prospect, looked like a can't miss, and then something happens, and there you go. So yeah, bad so far for Vlad Jr. And my ugly is Mr. Kurt Schilling, ladies and gentlemen. Now uh, we've we've talked about Kurt Schilling before on the show. Uh, I, I think his numbers below, put him in the Hall of Fame, but I also I think argued that he should also be in the Asphalt Hall of Fame because uh, yeah, he's got a, a pretty long history of not being the, the best person. And, and I'm putting his politics aside here. This is just you know his history with investments and stuff. So I don't know if, how many people remember uh, that he was involved in a video game company he, uh, back in the mid-2000s. Apparently, he was a big World of Warcraft player, so he wanted to start a video game company and create one of those massively multiplayer online role-playing games. And he actually, they, uh, so he started a video game company. They called it Green Monster Games, but he claimed that it wasn't named after Fenway's uh, Fence. I find it very yeah, hard to believe. Yeah, 38 Studios, that's what we're trying to call yeah, it. Yeah, they, cha- they changed the names of 38 Studios, but they... They were going to be in um, Massachusetts, but they got a $75 million loan from Rhode Island to relocate there. And, you know, they were supposed to provide 450 jobs or whatever. So they did. They moved there. And then within like 16 months, bankrupt. And uh, and Schilling himself came out and said, you know, he lost his his own personal fortune, $50 million, which is it's not really a crime to be a terrible businessman. But it kind of is a crime if you know you don't have enough money to do something and you tell investors otherwise or you don't tell them that you've done that so there have been there were tons of lawsuits they eventually found that they that uh, the studio wasn't criminally criminally uh negligible but there were tons and tons of uh civil lawsuits too and eventually i think shilling and some others had to pay like 60 million dollars and rhode island taxpayers are left uh putting the bill for like 28 30 million dollars something like that so yeah not great so that was that was one thing. It kind of felt like Denny McClain-ish almost. Um, like I said, it's not a crime to be a businessman. But then yesterday, Schilling tweets his support of Tom Brenneman, of course, because that's uh, who he is. And then today we find out that Steve Bannon, uh, who, you know, we're trying not to get too political here, but he was, you know, kind of a prominent figure on the alt-right, uh, was arrested for fraud, and Schilling was on his board, the board of his political action committee, Bannon's Build the Wall Political Action Committee. Uh, they basically took money from poor suckers who were trying to, you know, hoping to build a border wall with Mexico, and all they really did was pay for Steve Bannon to go hang out in 200-foot yachts. And that's so they arrested Bannon and their Schilling. And again, we don't know if if Schilling was actively involved in this in any way, or if he was just kind of duped again. It wouldn't surprise me if he was duped again. But it's just what yeah, that's ugly, man. What was that? Oh, you heard that? Oh, it was uh, it was it was Gilbert Godfrey saying, "What an asshole! What an asshole!" <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just it's and again, like I don't, even, don't even want to get into any of the politics. I mean, it kind of has to because Steve Bannon is there, but right. Yeah, I mean, I just it's you're just stealing money from people, and that's that's. I mean, you couldn't argue about the motivations of these people anyway, but. People were giving them money for one thing, and it was going to Steve Bannon, Bannon hanging out and being like a Playboy lifestyle, looking like Rosie O'Donnell. But <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so. an asshole. there you go. Schilling, uh, yeah, Schilling gets the zinger for this week. 
By the way, also what what really pisses me off is that the few people that are notified he was back that because he was going to cover the old mortgages, the old houses mortgages because they hired him to sell. He screwed him over on that too. Mm-hmm. Some people from the the Thirty Eight Studios, and yeah, I mean there was they they. I, yeah, I think it was one of those things where it was just like super out of nowhere for everybody who was working there too. Like just suddenly, yep. Like maybe two weeks before it went down, people started getting an inkling, and then yeah, two weeks they're just bankruptcy. Everybody loses their job. Nothing. It was just it was there was a I don't remember who wrote it or what publication it was, but it was a really great long article about all the things that went wrong there and how how Schilling tried to come into being a businessman from a baseball player's perspective. So he expected, like, he had, he had never worked a real job in his life. Um, so he was expecting people to come in and work, like, 12-hour days on Sundays and stuff. And it was just like, dude, what? He just really didn't have a clue. Uh, and I wish I could find that article. Maybe I'll send it to you later. You probably read it, too. But I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's not, you know, let's not... That's not. Let's. We have questions. We have. We, 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 we're yeah, a total we can, buzzkill. We can get to the incredibly negative uh, questions instead. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? And look, the people who who ask the questions are really what an asshole. No, 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 no. They're not, they're not assholes. <laughs> Sorry, I'm gonna have a lot no. of fun with that drop. That's, it's gonna be a new. Uh, we're gonna add that to our uh, audio file. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm all for you throwing in some drops. <laughs> um, and no, I mean, like you said, there was fun this week. Tarek Skubal, you saw the flashes. I did an, art- an yeah. article over on MCB about uh, basically he just couldn't command any of his pitches. That's what did him in. But you saw the flashes of the stuff for sure. Yeah. And my eyes look great. So, I mean, those are two huge potential building blocks for the future. And Isak Paredes has been exciting just to watch him take pitches. We'd like to see him connect on something soon. But uh, And even we mentioned earlier, you know, Willie Castro – they played Willie Castro today. They've almost got an issue here because they like Willie Castro too. I mean, he's considered one of their top 10, 15 prospects. So they've got to figure out a way to play him and Paredes. And uh, I don't know. I don't know how they're going to do it. They Unless they want to stop playing Nico at shortstop or take send uh, Jonathan Scope to to first and Candelario to DH and Miguel Cabrera to the IL. I, I don't know how they're going to do it. So it's a bit of an issue there. But in any event, yeah, there's been some good stuff. But uh, – you know, it's, it's hard to find the the silver lining when they're over the last nine. But we do have questions. Uh, we've got uh, one from Thomas Botsford, and it's, uh, when does Avila try to start putting together a competitive roster? This ain't it. Beating <laughs> Kansas City, Pittsburgh, and splitting with Cincy tells me nothing. By the way, so, t- Tom, uh, yeah, you are uh, Michigan Dearborn alum, fellow Dearborn Michigan oh. alum, so just wanted to give him a shout-out for that. Go ahead. Nice. No, it's funny. Is I think uh, – I think we, I used to be on. He said something the other day to me. I retweeted something that made me think that he must have been on the Sports Inferno message board with me uh, like a decade ago. God, that's a decade ago, even longer. Um, but in any event, yeah, I don't, I don't know if you have thoughts on that. When they're going to, when does Avila really start to go for it? But I, uh, I, I know, have some thoughts. I, here, here's I had two thoughts. One, I think he's restricted on what he can do. Honestly, there's mm-hmm. you can't tell me otherwise. He's not because. He all there's no long term. We've we've made a running bet on our little DMs about who's gonna be the first person they're gonna sign long term, and I have no answer because we have no effing idea. There's no, I I think, I think he's not gonna be here long enough. But it, 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 but then again, you also realize too, look how long it took Ken Holland before he moved on out of the Red Wings situation, and Chris Taylor mm-hmm. Jones, both teams, 
he's MIA. I mean, except for the binoculars and the the hat, that looks like he was look like he was the fan, Robert De Niro and the fan. It's it just it's one of those things where I just I don't know if he's going to be here long enough. To, and and second, if if he is going to be here long enough, which I I, I hope look I, I hope he does, but I just think they have to clean house completely because I just feel like there's too many cooks in the kitchen with this kind of thing. There's too much. I don't really identify if this is a David, like, you know, if it's a David Chad guy, the Littlefield guy, but something's got to change. And I think going to, if there, if there was to be that, I think you saw the analytics run the lineup this evening. Great. But they maybe they're working with what they have, but in all reality, I, I don't know. I, Honestly, Chris, I don't think he's going to be here long enough. I mean, I'm just going to stick to number one thing because I, I just don't. And if he is going to stick here long enough, he maybe might become a figurehead at some point. I, I don't, I don't know. I just, it's just, it's so frustrating because if you think about it, Candelario is the. If it's in the grand scheme of things, the Candelario trade is looking like the better trade than the JD Martinez or Verlander at the moment right now. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, no, I, I, I mean, I think. You hit the key point there is we really don't know how hamstrung Avila is. We don't know. We've never seen Chris Illich open up the pocketbook at all. Uh, you know, it was Mike Illich always spending money. So we don't know if, <laughs> I guess, in all the indications we've had so far is that it's not going to be like it was in the, in the good old days. We, you know, I wrote that article about uh, why did they keep Mize and Scooble and Freddy's down? Because the Super 2, they were basically trying to save money. Um, down the road, which is you could argue is good business sense or whatever, but it, it 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 we have no indication that they're actually going to use that savings to make the team better. I would, I guess my my speculation is that we get one more year of sort of these one year veteran stopgap deals. Like I think a lot of people would like to see Crone and and uh, Romine come back. Uh, you know, maybe even scope. I bet, but they they could probably try to put Castro or Paredes at uh, second now. But yeah, I, I don't think we're going to see any sort of long term free agent deal until 2022, and next year is going to be kind of the, you know, my Scooble, eventually Manning and Fido, maybe Wentz guys come up, get your growing pains, and uh, and at that point, I think they'll they'll know for sure what they have with some of the other players. And then maybe they'll start spending if they look like they can do it. But that's, I mean, God, it's it's got to be hard to not try to go spend some money next year because this is just, it's been so bad for so long now. Yeah. We're going on four years of like sub 400 winning percentage almost. And it was something that I saw Keen responded to a, I think it was one of those classic Robert James back and forths between somebody. And I, I thoroughly enjoy him as a, as a pure spectator. And mm-hmm. I think, Kean had a lot. Kean chimed in with something on the lines of, "The Cardinals haven't had a top fifteen draft pick since I, forget, I think it was like ninety five or nice. I forgot since the late nineties, and they have all this to show for it. And I, look, if if I'm if I'm if I'm thinking about it, you look at everybody. Everybody complains about the Indians, and rightfully so. The Indians, the the, the Nolan, the Dolans are notoriously cheap. However. If I'm a baseball, just for, for a pure baseball fan, as a pure, don't, you know, in terms of just looking at it from a perspective of just looking the way they are every year, they're competitive at least every year. They might not spend a lot of money, and it frustrates Cleveland fans to no end, but I'd much rather have a system where 
I could bring up an arm and suddenly I have a bullpen arm. Suddenly I have guys who are not first round draft picks that are working out. It took till Derek Skubal is the first Tigers left hander that was not drafted in the first ten or in the excuse me, in, it was a later round draft pick. Then the first one in, in the, the, the 30 years they've done the top 100, the first one. It's incredibly mm-hmm. sad. And it, it, there, there's, there's more to it than just Al Avila. And he is the figurehead of it all. I get it. But it, you have to just yeah, it's, you have to gut it's, it out. No, I mean, I think you're right. I mean, there's, there's kind of uh, the old saying, the fish rots from the head down. But this is kind of, uh, I don't know, we've seen it for years and years and years with the Detroit Lions. There's something else wrong there um but yeah i didn't realize that about the, the cardinals but he's right the last time the cardinals had a top 10 pick was 1998 when they took jd drew that's what it was. the next highest was 13th twice it's um, amazing and in that time they've they've landed players uh like colby rasmus adam adovino i don't think that he was very good there but uh lance len colton wong steve piscotti michael waka jack flaherty you know, a lot of a lot of pretty good players. Dylan Carson's coming up now, so yeah, you don't have to have top picks if you are got a good system. So a good system to evaluate, I guess. Uh, so next question, Kyle Walney, uh, why in the actual hell am I still stuck watching Grayson Grinder when Jake Rogers exists? <laughs> Kyle, Kyle, by the way, yeah. Kyle likes when I speak Spanish, so I'll tell him in oh, Spanish. Right. Here's my answer. Yeah, he didn't. What? He didn't vanish into oblivion, did he? That's what he said. So. <laughs> Kyle, mira, you know, no tengo una idea porque no Jake Rogers no está aquí. No tengo una idea porque hay veces que yo no entiendo que lo que está haciendo, pero David Littlefield es posible que es el problema que está ahí. To translate, I have no idea why he's not up here, but I know David Littlefield is the guy in Toledo that's been kind of watching everything. So maybe David Littlefield is telling everybody he's not ready. So he's playing Gatemaster. Gatekeeper. Maybe no, no, not Gatemaster. Gatekeeper. <laughs> Um, yes, I'll tell you about my prospects, but, uh, I'm, you know, uh, how many, how many picks do we have? Uh, Dave, it's your turn to pick on rule five. Oh yes, yes, yes. No knock on Dave Littlefield. I'm sure he's a swell guy, but uh, yeah, I, I honestly, Jake Rogers should be here at this point. Griner. I thought, look, I, uh, I, I freely admit based off what I was reading from Jules and, and what I was seeing in camp, I th- Griner looked good in camp and I thought, Hey, you know what? He's going to come out and be a decent backup catcher. Not the case. And maybe it's just maybe he needs to do the James McCann thing and go somewhere else to get better because that seemed like to be the case. I, I don't know, but I don't. I'm not, that's, that sounds a little extreme. I don't know. I just think if they're going to give Jake Rogers the opportunity, this is the time to do it. So, uh, does Kyle also like it when I speak Spanish? Because I could say uh, <laughs> "La fiesta de los pantalones." <laughs> and, uh, what is it? De de donde hombre que vende la yeo. Or El Yeo. I don't know. But uh, anyway, uh, yeah, I took two years of Spanish in high school. Uh, no, I, we, we've actually discussed this Rogers situation sort of in depth a little bit. And, and what I think they want is him to play every day, as it were, for what whatever that means when you're on the, uh, you know, when you're in the training site. But he's also, I think he's been on the, the taxi squad. I think he's been the taxi squad catcher. And one of the rules is that teams have to have a taxi squad catcher. So I believe that means he's been traveling with the big league team, right? So he's actually there in Chicago and he'll be there in Cleveland, but he's not playing. So I don't know. I, like, I don't know what the deal is. 
maybe I don't know if they had Haas there or what, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, the argument that he should be playing every day makes sense, I guess. But as I think Brandon and and Keenan were saying, um, you know, you gotta he probably would be better off playing twice a week and then caddying for Austin Roman and learning what he knows. So. I don't know. I, I can't imagine. I actually like Griner. Like, I don't think he's a good player, but I think he's, you know, he's got some decent qualities. He's a good guy. I just, uh, yeah, I just think, uh, and I, I, he seems to put together solid at-bats, and he he has hit the ball hard a couple times and had bad luck. But, yeah, like, I don't think there's any reason he should be there instead of Rodgers, unless they don't particularly like Rodgers anymore. I think uh, uh, Jules had a, a theory that, they don't like that Rodgers seeks outside advice for his hitting. And we know that, uh, we remember that um, Minkiewicz wasn't particularly fond of, of Rodgers, uh, you know, the former Mudhens manager. So I, I don't know if there's just a, uh, like a organization wide, like, hey, we, you're not doing things our way. We don't like it. But you would think at some point they go, hey, you know, our way, not that great. But uh, I guess that's asking too much. So, I don't know. I do think we'll see Rodgers fairly soon, though. Yeah, hopefully. And let's see. Our our uh, next question. Uh, oh, here. And our buddy Zeke. He uh, he was just talking about, about Jules again. Jules Posner. Or Posner, I don't know. Sorry, Jules. Um, he just had a great thread on Kristen Stewart. How much more time will the Tigers give him, and is he salvageable, whether for Detroit or does he need to go elsewhere and get a different situation? And Thomas Botsford also asked uh, about Stewart. He said, Stewart has 475 major league at-bats. You don't want to write a guy off after that many at-bats, but does he even have a future, and should they move on from him? So, I don't know if you want to take this one or you want me to take a stab at it. Uh, Go ahead. Well, here's the thing about Christian Stewart. I've seen the glimpses of him on defense. There's a couple – he was – I think it wasn't the first week or two having really good hard contact, Chris. Uh, possibly, I I don't remember <laughs> the first week of the year. It seems like uh, a long time ago. ago. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean against the Pirates, where the Pirates were four and sixteen. I, you know, at this point, at, at some point, Chris, if he's not going, and he was one of those people that really has it worked on his wing too, right? In terms of from the organization, he's got the Lloyd McCullen swing playing correct uh, you know I, I i don't know i remember I, I remember reading some about that he hasn't really changed much of his mechanics from my understanding yeah i mean i i don't remember what his swing his swing looks largely the same to me as it did uh in eight ball uh but uh yeah i, I know and i defer to jewels on issues of like mechanics and, and swing and stuff like that. I just, it's just not something I, I am particularly strong at noticing, you know, if, if his swing is sound or if, what, what's going on, but I just, yeah, I mean, I, I just don't see a whole lot to like out of Kristen Stewart. I mean, this is, this is a former first round pick that they, uh, although most people viewed him as more of a second or third rounder, I believe. And uh, yeah, it, it's just like, it is, 540 or 550 plate appearances or whatever, but he's, you know, he's not hitting for power. That's the main thing. That was his calling card and he's not doing it. He's hitting for well below average power. He's, he walked at a decent rate last year, but he's not this year. He's striking out more and the defense, you know, the numbers say it's improved this year, but I still, I mean, I still don't think it's going to be anything to write home about. 
it was funny a couple of years ago i was uh i think i was having a twitter discussion with mark gorash and mentioned that that he was we were talking about gerber and, and stewart because they were kind of coming up around the same time and i said you know it wouldn't shock me if, if gerber has a better pro career than stewart and when I said it, I thought, like, you know, they both might actually have decent careers. I didn't think that they'd both be different shades of awful. <laughs> but, uh, but so far, you know, I was looking on fan graphs, Gerber wins at negative 0.8 war to Stewart's negative 1.5, I think, where on, uh, on uh, baseball reference, it's kind of reversed. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's ugly. And on top of that, you know, Stewart, he's 26. He's going to be 27 all year next year. I think he's going to get one more year to figure this out. And after that, like, I, I don't know. I mean, you, you, you got to start showing something. It'd be one thing if he was hitting for power. You go, okay, yeah. He, maybe he's a a league average or, you know, like a, like a replacement player, basically. A league replacement player, but he's hitting for some power, so there's some value there. But he's not even hitting for power. So I, I just I don't see a whole lot to get excited about right now. You never want to give up on a guy too early and see him blossom somewhere else. And maybe that is what he needs, but I, I, I just I don't see it with him. By the way, the uh, just a stat just came out tonight: the Padres, the first team ever to hit a grand slam in four consecutive games. Well, did they do it again tonight? Yep. Wow, that's that's amazing. Yeah. All right, so we uh, <laughs> we've got uh, Keenan, Detroit Tigers minor league tracker. What in the Sam Hill is our plan at the plate? And uh, I don't <laughs> think we have to spend too much time on this because I don't believe there is a plan at the plate. Yeah. Um, aside from. Paredes, uh, we already talked about their, you know, league worst strikeout rate. They're, they're, I think, below average walking as well. It's just not, I don't know. I don't know what their plan is. I don't know. <laughs> they, they just, they, their plan is to swing and miss a lot, I guess. I, I can't really guess anything else. But, um, yeah, sorry, Keenan. Don't have a better answer. You know what, Keenan? I'll answer the question the best way I can with irresponsible speculation. And, Kean, I'll tell you this right now, it is the same approach that you had when you played, I think you played, I don't I think you played high school ball, I think. I'm not sure. I, I don't know. There's no, uh, there, Chris is right, there's no plan. But maybe, just maybe, the plan is the rocker plan, which is swing away for a rocker for the first pick. That's what it is. You know what? That, no, that's what it is right now. Kean, it's the rocker plan. That's what it is. They're swinging just, to make it look themselves like they're competitive, and f- no, that's what it is. It's the rocker plan. Rocker, excuse me, rocker plan. That's it. I can't be convinced otherwise. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's <laughs> frustrating. You know, they changed hitting coaches supposedly, and, but it's you know switching deck chairs, moving them furniture on the Titanic. So. <laughs> um. Lloyd McCullough's right now playing the violin. As one half of the ship is sinking, and yeah, he's just looking like, "Hey, I'm just sitting here chilling." And look, I, I, I mean, like honestly, it's I I gave pr- praise to Joe Barba for being a good. He, I think he's a good hitting coach. I just think what he has right now isn't good. You can't blame the hit. You know what I mean? Like, there's yeah. always like this. Well, it's the hitting coach's problem. The only the hitting coach is only as good as the talent he has. That's it. You can't yeah. change habits. I mean, it was something that we it's been embedded in us that certain illustrious Jacoby Jones you recognize there there's swing change there swing changes can occur, but it's up to the player to recognize that or somebody else to help him. I mean, you look at was it Justin Turner in the MVP machine? 
He's he saw he was worked on it, and people work on it. If the Tigers are not recognizing that these guys need to swing or change, or whatever the whatever the case may be, there's only so much that Varva can do, and there's some of the notes have worked. In some cases, it hasn't. So that's the frustrating part, Chris. If there was a plan, and you saw it and it wasn't working. Then that's one thing. You're like, okay, well, they're trying this, but it's not working. But maybe they're, they're going to try. But there's some sort of results. To me, there's no. I, I, again, just from my amateur take, there's no. It doesn't seem like there's a. Even with in terms of even, for pitch design, those kind of things, you can see some sort of. But when it comes to the play, they just look lost. They look lost. Today was, all just maddening. I mean, even like when you saw earlier in the week, Cabrera ran through the light. Jacoby Jones on that decided to run that double. What the hell was he thinking? Did he really need? You know what I mean? Like he had, a, he got a gift, and he, didn't, I don't know that. It just looks undisciplined, and I'm not gonna be. Oh, it's undisciplined baseball. It's just with the top. I'm not gonna be that guy. But well, man, they 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 don't have the talent to uh, make mistakes, and they just they're making a lot of them, and and it sucks. And I, I mean, yeah, you got. I think you do have to kind of blame that on the. You know, I always talk about you, you, there's not much that managers actually control, but I do think that getting your players to be smart is kind of kind of one thing that managers can't do. But I don't know. So, yeah. Uh, next question. This this is a kind of interesting one. Um, it is Tim D fifty six, who's a good Twitter follow. I uh, said. Boyd said he made progress after the first inning Monday, and he did get some guys out. What do you think his issues are? Can he fix them? Should he be out of the rotation for a while? Um, so actually, you know, I, I looked at this a little bit last year when things got worse for, for Boyd. And somebody else, and I, I feel bad because somebody else just, I don't know if it was, was Cody or Evan, it was one of the beat writers, I believe, pointed out that this year, or that, that, uh, I don't know, maybe it was that Max Max Goldstein, maybe. Yeah, it was him, I think. Pointed out that the release point on Boyd's slider is lower than his fastball by, like, a, a good margin. So you can basically, I mean, I don't know if you see that in real time, but I assume major league hitters can kind of tell, like, oh, this is coming out lower. That's going to be a slider. Um, and, you know, we, when you and I, Roger, when we... Uh, looked at his the, the we did a little breakdown of the video and it's basically he just kept missing his spots and if you if you go and this is what i looked at last year if you go to brooks baseball and you could probably do this at Statcast as well but this is the like the original one that i used to use you could see boyd's release point horizontal and vertical uh, month by month over the years and you see basically after may of last year all his pitches started getting farther away to the you know away from the plate horizontally, like his arm moved farther away and he started getting beat up on it. And you can't see, you see clear as day that his slider is a different release point than his other pitches. And at the same time, his vertical release point, same around the same time started uh, changing. And right now his, yeah, his four seam ver- uh, release point is, is, yeah, I think it's like three, four inches above his slider release point. So it's, I don't know. I think that there's some serious. Uh, I think his his arm has been drifting up on the fastball, and I think they, they he came out and said this. He, he's trying to get more spin, I think, on his fastball, and to to do that, he's try, I guess he's trying to get on top of it more and try to create that that backspin. And it's it's 
hurting him. Uh, I think, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, part of it is probably the league just adjusting. Part of it is him trying to tinker a bit too much. And part of it is just him not being able to find a consistent release point and, and locate his pitches. And when he doesn't, they get absolutely murdered. So I, I don't think going to the bullpen will necessarily help him at all. I don't picture him as being a, a reliever. He just doesn't seem like a reliever to me. But I, I don't know. What do you think, Roger? Yeah. When we were watching that video, Chris, the one thing that I noticed compared to when it started against the White Sox this time around is that he abandoned – he went just with basically with the two pitches, right? I mean, I'm looking at – I'm trying to remember on our Twitter timeline where I posted um, the the mix he was having, which was essentially – it was a slider. I'm, I'm, i got to find it here. Um, I can, yeah, I can check here too. Yeah, and he just went to those two pitchers because his fastball – he just he was getting nothing on his fastball – at all, and I know that he has a curve too. That he did, he just told completely abandoned it um, on that last start. Comparatively speaking to his first start that we watched, him where he tried to get that curve over, it wasn't going to work. And this start, he just completely abandoned. I'm just trying to find that chart there, but um, yeah. So I'm I'm looking. I see right here. So two starts ago, he had 54 seamers. Last one was 41. Two starts ago, 15 changeups. Last was eight. Two starts ago, 21 sliders. Last one, 37. And two starts to go, four curves, this start, four curves. So basically, he he abandoned, or he didn't throw nearly as many change-ups, which uh, I guess they just, he didn't think, think, think they were working against the right-handed hitters. <laughs> oh, 75, and fewer, fewer 75, fastballs, more sliders. 75% of it worked. I mean, he was getting swings yeah. on, on 75. Remember that that change-up looked really good the second game, too, because he there was a couple times, I think he threw it to Lewis Robert, where it was, it caught him off guard a little bit, but... You can't be – I don't think they should take him out of the rotation. It's a very good question, Tim. I don't think they should take him out of the rotation because who else are you going to replace him with, A? And, B, I think this these fixes can be adjusted correctly because he looked a lot better in his second start than he did the first start against the White Sox. Yeah, I mean, that's the point. I, he did seem to look better, to mention that, and after their first, the rough first inning or whatever. So, yeah, I mean, you hope that he's starting to figure it out. But, you know, I can't help but feel like maybe it's just a lost year for Boyd. I mean, we're already almost halfway through, right? I mean, what? It, I guess, what, 20, 24 games in? Yeah. Um, so, like, 40% of the, the season's over. So, I don't know. Maybe he can turn around. That would be a welcome sign, that's for sure. But, yeah, I don't think, like you said, like, you put him in the bullpen, what are you going to do? Like, who you put in the rotation? Yeah. It's it's like you can bring up more rookies, but those guys aren't going to give you. They need innings. They need somebody to go out there and throw innings. Like you said, you know nobody's going into the the sixth inning. Um, so then we had uh, Scott R. Daniel. He said, "Is it possible this team is worse than last year?" And I know people <laughs> are feeling like that right now. Um, I just have to remind everybody how bad the offense was last year. Now the pitching was was acceptable last year and it's been really bad so far this year so you could you could say that's kind of offset the offense has been not great this year but not nearly as bad last year <laughs> was the worst offense in tigers history it was the ninth worst collection of position players since 1900 by war that's you know however many team seasons in 120 years ninth worst it was historically bad this year they're just really bad <laughs> So, I mean, I don't think that they're worse than last year, but I, don't, I guess it remains to be seen. You know what, man? That was Scott Daniel that answered that question. They asked the yeah. question. Scott Scott's a good dude. Look, I I think they 
the offense has looked better, but the last week is contrary to what I just said. They, the, yeah. you mentioned the strikeout percentage earlier, Chris. Their approach at the plate. They are drawing a few more walks. Not much. But it really, I think the staff looks worse than it did last year. I mean, the bullpen. Yeah. I mean, Funkhauser got hit up pretty hard today. And the you don't know what's going to happen with Soto. Soto is, you know, the darling. And I think Soto will be, I think he'll be fine. But it's up to the staff to kind of adjust. But the 60 games, so it's such a cluster bleep. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's hard to. I, I, we all expect, we all, I expected 25 wins. And I thought that maybe they were shooting the moon too much right now. And Mark was the one that said they would lose like 13 in a row. And it looks like at first we all went, oh, Mark, what are you talking about? Oh, they're off to a 9 and 6 start. Well, it might be, Mark might be actually right on this. And Tiger fans may not want to hear that, but oh well. I think they're just they're they're maybe a win or two better than they were last year. If we're gonna do, I don't know how they would project wise, but honestly, Chris, today was just all week has been a bad example of that. But I think it's every other team in the division has gotten better, but them. I mean, the Royals are the Royals are back mm-hmm. up what, ten and fourteen now, so they're, they're the Tigers are in last place again. Are they in last place? I yeah, the, the Royals oh, Royals won, so they're they're a game they're now ten and fourteen, and the Tigers are nine and fourteen. So. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, yeah, I mean that's uh, they're like negative thirty-five run uh, differential through twenty-four games. Is that what you said? Yep. So uh, you know you could extrapolate that out. They were so bad last year. I thought it was like negative three hundred, but yeah, I don't know. It's not that we have to ask the question is a giant bummer. Um, and then let's see. This is the last uh, real question about baseball. He said, "What do you think it will take?" This is from Patrick B. What do you think it'll take to make a change in the front office? We are in year five, and this is not getting better. We have little to no depth in the minors outside of our recent first-round picks. Uh, Roger, you want to take that? <laughs> what, was the, what was the last part of the depth question? What was the last part of the depth question? Uh, yeah, we, we have little to no depth in the minors outside okay. of our recent first-round picks. He's right. I mean, is there any kind of hope in the making? I don't. The, the problem is, Chris, we weren't able to – we had a plan to hit, what, 15 or – actually more than that two or three games a month throughout the minor league system this year and we couldn't do that and honestly right now that whole it's and i'm not trying to be morbid or anything like that but the tiger system right now is such a giant question mark outside of what the the talent they have in terms of even this year's talent you have a fact that you have that second wave of like the jacob robson's in the world the cam gibson the al zakar Alcantara, there's a lot of these prospects that, that at this point, what do you do with them? Because they, to me, clearly some of them, it's no, it's no knock on any of them, but they're unless they get a shot, what are they doing on your roster? They're just at this point, they're just taking up roster, their roster fodder. So it is, you look at the inf- like, especially we've talked about this before. The reason why I may even suggest about this guy like Daniel Robinson or Daniel Robertson, who Tampa Bay let go. Even Anthony Alfred, who the Blue Jays let go, uh, former first-round draft pick. Both are first-round draft picks, I believe. No, no, I'm sorry. Alfred's a third-round draft pick. There is other teams letting go of their talent that seem like better options than what the Tigers have in their system. I hate to say that, but it's true. Like, yeah. I mean, Rob Robertson is a guy who is a light-hitting guy, but he's a really good defensive player. He had a three-plus war a couple seasons ago. He got, in 2018, he had injured by his thumb. He had a thumb injury, and he just got literally – Tampa Bay had too many infielders, so he got kind of squeezed out. 
but a guy like him, Alfred, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't have enough to say a solid opinion about it. But you, you have to go to guys like Bonifacio to get your yeah. depth. It's, it, it, that's bad. That's really bad. I'm sorry. It, and no offense again. No knock on Bonifacio either, but they can't. There's no other better choices out there because they don't have any choices in their f- system. Man, I almost swore there. <laughs> I almost swore. I almost, I almost did. I almost yeah. did. No, well. I mean, that's this, this thing. And I, I remember there was early reports back uh, in 2015 that Alfred was the third player in the David Price trade. Because, yeah, he was. I think he, he I feel like he got a really solid contract when he when he was uh, drafted because he was a I think he was going to go to Old Miss to play football and baseball, something like that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's it wouldn't shock me if the Tigers take a flyer on either of those guys. I, I have been working on the theory. And it's basically, it's sort of spurred by the Carson Fulmer uh, when, when they grabbed him and then, you know, subsequently released him. Because you saw the stuff really isn't all that special. But yeah, he was he was through hard when he was coming out of college. But now it's like he was like 91 to 94. Um, I, I feel like sometimes the Tigers just see guys who were t- former top draft picks and feel like they can, like, hey, we'll take a shot at this guy because he was a top draft pick. Like, I, I don't know if, like, I, it's cynical for me, but I think they just like like guys who used to be high draft picks, top couple of rounds. And, you know, I guess that would make sense. They're going to be, the players who were drafted that uh, high or tend to be more talented, but just thinking back at all the all the former first-rounders that they've had on the team that weren't any good, actually. I wonder if they, it just makes me feel like they're not actually scouting the players. They're just kind of like, hey, he was a first-rounder, right? Yeah, let's give it a shot. <laughs> Wait, I, uh, I was actually going to do an article about that, but I haven't uh, haven't really dug into it. Do it, do it, do it. Oh yeah. man. Um, um, yeah, but as far as it's like, what what's it going to take? I I don't know. I don't know. I, I think it would probably take all these prospects coming up and falling flat for then uh, Grizzlies to go. You know what? Maybe these guys don't know what they're doing. Uh, and and you know, I hope that doesn't happen for Tigers fans' sake. It has nothing to do with Avila in the front office. I hope these prospects come up and are good and the Tigers win just because fans deserve it. This is, uh, this is, you know, nobody deserves to watch baseball this bad for four, five, six years in a row. Not to mention, Chris, I mean. So maybe Red Sox fans. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. Red Sox fans are, are the worst. Sorry. Not sorry. That's, I'm not apologizing for that. No, they are. They are the absolute worst. No, yeah, and you know, I think that back. Yankee fans are pretty bad too. I mean, no offense to our yeah. friend of the show, Stacy Gastulius, because she's she's awesome. But sometimes some Yankee fans are intolerable. But the 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 fact is, we've been doing a show here the entire time. The, the entire time you and I have done a show together, I've done the show when they were successful before, and and mm-hmm. it was just kind of riding the waves a little bit, and now. We've been writing about this team for four years, doing a podcast for four years, and it's today was one of those days where I was just like, you know what, I'm done. I, I couldn't. I, I've sat through a lot of bad baseball, and fans do deserve better. I, I don't blame fans. Like you know, Brandon was like, hey, I'm going to go cut the lawn. Mark's like, I'm going to go take a walk, and whatever else is going on, whatever distraction. But for somebody that now I write twenty to twenty five articles a month about the team. I just sit there and bear, and it's just like, dude, screw this, man. I, and it's just, it's, fans deserve better. And 
all that Casey Mize, all that stuff that came up. And I found it strange. Didn't you find it strange, Chris, that they had that stuff ready to go? Like, they had that, like, as soon as it happened, like, there was four, five, six announcements for both Scooble and Mize. Paredes, one, two. There wasn't as much hype for the Paredes. And, look, I understand why. Mize, mm-hmm. Scooble, their pitchers, their, all that. But that being said... I know, and I know Paredes is coming in that handy where they're like, well, I don't know if he's a, he's a legitimate guy. And all of a sudden, you know what I found funny, by the way, and I'm sorry to get on a rant about this. All the people that were like, I don't know about Paredes, da, 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 mysteriously were like, oh, yeah, he's doing really professional at-bats. Like, where the hell were you? Did you watch him in Erie? Did you watch him in Toledo? No. Now all of a sudden you're going to praise him because he's up there because he looks a little different because he's not swinging and missing at pitches? Get the hell out of here, man. Yeah, well, you know, it does – I mean, we, we touched on it before, but it's like, you're going to bring that kid up. You should play him every single day unless he's hurt. Right. That's that's like, they, they better not pull this stuff with, like, they won't pull this with Riley Green and Torkelson where they come up for two games or three games and then sit because uh, they want to get another outfielder, another infielder, uh, some at-bats. Like, and I, I, you know, I think there's some some interesting stuff to, to look at with Willie Castro. But, yeah, you bring Paredes up, you play him. I, I don't get it. So anyway, yeah, I mean, I think it's, I don't know, outside of a, a, a Me Too scandal or something, I think it's going to take the prospects to fail for Avila to go. So yeah, I guess let's not hope for that. Yeah, because, I mean, you think that he's going to cut, whereas before the, the Tigers would cut bait with somebody without thinking about it and keep the money going somewhere online, but you haven't even mm-hmm. seen that. I mean, they they still have to pay for, they still have to pay for Miguel Cabrera's contract, for two more years after the two more years after this. Is that, is that right? That sounds right, and there might be an option for a third, but yeah. I, I don't expect them to pick that up. Yeah. So they have they have the ability right now to, currently right now they have. I don't see them doing that with the the money. I don't just see them just. If, I think Avila just re up last year, so he's got. I don't know how long he has this deal yet, but it, it's going to be a long ride. And there, like, there's no. And I was looking at a couple of names around the league, and I, I know that we mentioned before the, the Houston. I know a lot of Tigers. Like, no, 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 we don't want a cheater in here. But honestly, I don't think it's going to anything is going to happen. So I even speculate with it right now. It would it would yeah. shock me completely if Chris Illich decided not to let him bring him back this year. So I don't. I know we, we've already done enough irresponsible speculation already. So on that, but on that note, uh, was there any other questions, Chris? Uh, no, that was all the ones I had. Okay. All right. Awesome. So next week, pending. All right. So next week's guest is a name you'll recognize, but right now we're just confirming everything. So I'm not going to tell you who that guest is until it's confirmed. And in fact, we're not going to tell you at all until it actually airs. So that's how like I'm just really superstitious about this, and it's somebody I've been trying. You and I have both been trying to get for what two years now, something like that. Yeah, yeah, at least yeah. So you will as soon as I say the name, and as soon as you hear his voice, you'll recognize him. I'm just stoked. It happened. Just found he just got this person just got back to me when I was recording. So anyway, enjoy your rest of the week. We have the Tigers taking on the Cle- uh, Indians down at Progressive Field. This weekend before they take on the Twins. So next week, 
who knows where we're going to be at the Tigers wise. We hope that they have at least one game or two. Who knows? Yeah. But you know, until then, everybody have a safe week and thanks again for by the way, thanks for everybody for the questions. Really appreciate all the comments and feedback. It's been great. And of course you can find us both at motorcitybangles.com, Tiger Mind Report, and a shout out oh, you know, I have to give a shout out to James Chipman, who by the way, congratulations to him. He wrote his first piece for Prospects Live. So if you are check out all the great content over at Prospects Live. He did a uh, a write up on Tarek Scoobel, so check that out over at prospectslive.com. And feel like I should be plugging somebody else or something along those lines, maybe. Oh, um, check out our great content, all our great content at MotorCityBangles.com. So I already did that. And uh, for until next week, see ya.